Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Helen Holliman, Editor-in-Chief of Munchies, and welcome back to Munchies the Podcast and the second part of our interview with the legend himself, Shaq Papan. We're going to jump right in to where we left off. But before we do, I have some major news for you guys. After 51 episodes, we're finally hanging up our aprons and retiring this version of Munchies the Podcast. But don't fret, because we aren't going anywhere. We're going to relaunch after the new year with a different style, so stay tuned. It's been an absolutely incredible run, and it wouldn't have been possible without you. You, dear listeners, are simply the best, and we can't thank you all enough for tuning in week after week, journey after journey, and giving us your ears and your support. It means the world. On behalf of my podcast producer, Phil Demahovsky, and everyone here at Munchies, I want to wish you all a very happy holiday season and a wonderful new year. And I'm really excited for what 2018 holds. And rest assured, we'll be back, new and improved. So until then, I can't imagine a more incredible guest to send this podcast off with. Here we go, part two of Jacques Pepin. taught so many students over the years and I would love to know um, do you think it's possible that everyone can become a good cook or do you think that there are certain people who just are doomed as cooks? <laughs> well there is people who are more adept than others I mean without any question actually you know my, my son-in-law Rolly with a chef and my daughter I've created a foundation, the Jacques Pepper Foundation. And what we want to do is to use the tape, uh, the tape of technique I've done for PBS and other tape, like in, I have a book called Essential Pepin, I have a tape of like two and a half hours, all the basic technique, uh, to teach that to people who come out of jail, for example, or veterans. So we're not talking about kids, people 25, 35, 45, 55 years old, it's fine to teach those techniques of cooking so that you can open a little restaurant with that. And if you get to that level, if you like cooking and learn those basic techniques, then you can do that. It doesn't mean that you have great talent, but by definition for me, someone like uh, Thomas Keller or Tom Colicchio or whatever, those are first technician, you know, and then they happen to have talent and then love and then they can take that to a higher level. So, you know, when I gave a class at the French Culinary Institute, a class on technique very often, I said, you know, I have 80 people there. Some of you have more talent than the other, but it doesn't really make any difference at that level. First, you have to become a technician. You know, it's like uh, I pant for many years and you can really uh, spend two years in the... you know, in our school and learn how to mix yellow and blue and to make green and to know what to do with your thumb or with a spatula or with a brush. And you can stand outside and you do a, you can do one panning after another. Does that make you a, 
uh, a great artist? Not really, but at that point you're a craftsman, you can produce that. You know, if you happen to have talent, then of course you take it somewhere else. So most people, I mean, uh, have a love of cooking, not necessarily great talent, but can still run a little restaurant and make something good to eat. You know, it's only a a few people are more talented and take it to another level, but it's fine. Do you think that it is the ingredient, or do you think it's technique that oh, makes no, something the, the, great? The, the ingredient first. I mean, there is no escaping that. If you have lousy butter, if you have lousy... The, I mean, the, even if you're a good technician, you can really torture the food to the point of make it eatable, fine, but never higher than that if you don't have good ingredient, you know. On the other hand, you can have excellent ingredients and screw it up. Uh, when uh, you are a young chef, you tend to uh, add and add and add to the plate a little more, a little bit. Especially in the last few years in what I call uh, punctuation cooking, where they have those little bottles and they make a dot, a dot, a comma, question marked with the, those little bottles. And uh, there is no sauce to dip your bread in it. I mean, you have all of those... <laughs> come and virgule and strike on the on the plate so you know you come to a point where it become kind of ridiculous because uh, for me first cooking is taste you know above anything else and you know if you can take a young chef and uh, uh, if you put a dish in front of me with uh, a blinder on my eye and if I can say well this is chicken and there is mushroom in it and probably some white wine then I'm pretty far into the dish it's probably good but very often you have a little thing which is sliced thin out too it's beautiful and it's good you say what is it I said it's good so what is it I don't know but it's good if it's the back of a rabbit or the back of a, a pheasant or the back of a thing it's sliced thin so uh, uh Yes, as a young chef, you tend often to uh, add maybe too much to the plate. As you get older and older as I am, then you tend to take away, take away, you know. And uh, if it's summer and the tomato are ripe in the garden and have a beautiful tomato, you know, at the right temperature with a bit of coarse salt and the best olive oil on top, I don't need more embellishment, you know, on the plate. This is it. So, you know, it's a question of... Uh, uh, moving into your life too. I wasn't this way 30 years ago now, but uh, uh, you know, so but anyway, you know, it's not like you can bring food to one level or one type of food and everyone will like it. No, everyone does. And this is what happened with a young chef. I tell a young chef, you know, what you have to do, uh, you have to work with someone, a good chef, hopefully, and uh, try to see the aesthetic of that chef and his sense of taste. And very often it may not coincide with your sense of taste or your uh, sense of aesthetic, but it really doesn't matter. Try to look at it through that. Then you work two years there, then you move with Jean-Georges, von Gerichon, whatever, and you do that another two years, maybe quite different, and then maybe another two years with someone else. So you have, you know, absorbed an enormous amount of knowledge there. And at that point, then it's time to give it back. But then now you're going to start filtering it through your sense of aesthetic, your sense of taste, then you start doing your own things. Because ultimately, you cannot really escape yourself. You are who you are, and you cannot do what I do, and I cannot do what you do. Exactly. So it's always the paradox, because I teach at BU, Boston University, and we do one of the class I was doing was the perfect meal. And that was a roast chicken, a boiled potato, and a salad. So I do that in an hour and a half in front of the students. So the 
She can have to be bested properly, the right uh, piece of uh, equipment so that I have crystallized juice in it too. Uh, the potato has to be cut certain way, boil a certain amount of time, water is drained out of it, put back on the stove to drain the remaining amount of water, piece of butter on top. The salad has to be cleaned properly, washed properly, drained properly, not bruised. Mix at the right temperature, not too cold but cool, with a little bit of the chicken fat, a little bit of olive oil to mix a bit of the juice of the chicken on top. So very simple but very good. And uh, so the student touch it and then they go to the stove. They have a, a basket with the same ingredient. I have 15 people in class and I know they're going to try to blow out my mind and do something very fancy. So I say, the paradox here is that you have 15 people here, I will have 15 different chickens. There is no way out of it. Because you're different, you cannot cook the same way than the person next to you. So don't try to blow my mind. Just try to cook, you know, with your heart. And uh, and I know I will have three chicken practically perfect, three undercooked, three overcooked, three cold, three whatever. But they are going to be different. So uh, often I said, you know, that the paradox because a chef always wants to be different when in fact if you really follow who you are and do it. Exactly, especially if you had the training that I spoke with before, then you have enough knowledge to take your aesthetic and your sense of taste an area where... But you know, that being said, when uh, Lutest was the greatest restaurant in New York, uh, I had a lot of people who would say, you know, I go, Lutest, I think it's good, but it's not that great. Well, maybe yes. You know, you can take me to the greatest restaurant in New York and... Uh, to the 10 greatest restaurants in New York, and I'm going to pick this one, this one, this one, as the greatest, and those three other, yeah, they are very good, and the other three, yeah, they are fine, but I don't really get it too fine. And I may go with you, your choice may be entirely different. I mean, basically what I'm doing here is purely a, a narcissistic reflection on my own taste. You know, those three, they correspond exactly with my sense of taste, of aesthetic, so they are the best which may not be the case for you. But that's the way it is, and that's the way it should be, you know. What to you is perfect food? Perfect food, it's a, a food to start with, done with superb ingredients, and a food which is cooked with love, because you cannot really cook indifferently, you know. So uh, with the proper technique, and that's about it, you know. It can be very simple, other roast chicken, or a, you know, a piece of fish just done, the right way. And this is what I try to do a little bit with my granddaughter there. And I always like to simplify food, certainly to the extent even more simplifying now. And I did a dish in there, for example, which I thought came out very good. I wanted to show her, so we had uh, she liked fish. In that book that I did with her, I don't really condescend to kid, and no, we do some very good food, some fun also. So I had that dish of... Uh, very fresh uh, arctic char. I said, okay, we're going to do the arctic char now. So we're going to cook that on the skin only. You put it in a non-stick skillet, even cold, doesn't really matter. There, on the skin. A dash of salt on top, you don't need any oil or anything, basically, or maybe just a drop. And we cover it, and you cook at high temperature, like five, six minutes, you know, totally on the skin. You never turn the fish because by covering it, you create enough steam to cook the top. So you will end up having a very dry skin, crisp, and still kind of rare in the center. So I say, what sauce we're going to do with it? We had a tomato, 
uh, nice tomato from the garden. So we cut it too, put it in a bowl. I had a little hand blender. We blend it into a smooth puree, you know, the raw tomato, the salt, pepper, a bit of olive oil on top. And I said, put it in the microwave, like 30 seconds, so that it's not cold, it's lukewarm. The fish was there, and we served that with it. So it could be simpler. That thing that worked out very well, you know. So there are dishes like that, often which are defined by the ingredient anyway, and the mood and all that, what you are in that day. And uh, But this is, for me, uh, real food, you know. When I spoke to you on your 80th birthday, you were planning a very elaborate meal that you were going to cook for your birthday, right. and you have another birthday coming up. Right. What do you want to eat? Oh, for my birthday, we're going to do a dinner at uh, uh, Stunnington, Connecticut, in uh, the Oyster Bar. They are fond of mine, are cooking for me. I made the menu, too, so... Uh, Oyster there, they have a lot of oysters that we're going to have this. I think we're going to have, uh, um, they have all kind of beautiful organic products. They raise their own sheep, they raise everything there. So probably lobster and after probably lamb or whatever. So and uh, good cheese from the area. I'm less big on dessert, but occasionally some dessert is fine too. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It sounds like oysters might be one of your favorite foods. Which one? Oysters. Oh, yeah, oyster. I, I like oyster, yes, without any question. In fact, I had some oyster uh, last night uh, at home. I came, uh, no, last night I was at, uh, no, the night before last, a friend of mine in Connecticut goes fishing, and he brought me those oysters the other day. They were probably close to a pound each. So I said, I've got to open those things. So I did them in a gratin dish, but eating them raw, they were too enormous, you know. And uh, yes, I have a lot of good friends who go fishing or whatever and bring it to me. <laughs> Let the Frenchman eat it. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about ingredients earlier and whether ingredients make the food or the chef makes the food. Yeah. You, know, you have tasted the most beautiful ingredients that the world has to offer. You have drank, I'm sure, the best right. vintage champagnes and the, the most rare wines. And yet, at home, you're very comfortable drinking a $12 bottle of wine or even, I think... 12 is a lot of money. <laughs> 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 I go from 8 to 12. About, yeah. we're, we're famously going uh, through the airport and, and eating a hot dog. Oh, absolutely. I love hot dog, you know. I mean, there is no food which is taboo for me. I can't eat anything. Uh, I have no guilt about eating anything, uh, you know, from a good hot dog. In fact, I love a good hot dog. I remember, you know, you know now, uh, Jeremiah Tower, he had this new movie that they did on him too. And I remember Star in, uh, in San Francisco many, many years ago. And I remember at Star, the hot dog. You know, and that's often what I tell the student. You know, we came late at night with my friend Jean-Claude, a night there, I ordered a beer, he had great beer and a hot dog, and it was a fantastic hot dog. So, 
often that's what I tell the student. They come, they want to do something fantastic and say, chef, what are we going to do today? I say, let's do a lobster roll, sir. A lobster roll? I say, yes, see, that's the whole point. You can always have, or a hot dog, you can always have a better roll, a better mustard, a better way of, a, a better hot dog, a better way of roasting it or roasting the bread. So that you add that to the boo, I've had hot dog all my life. This is the best hot dog and I'm going to remember that hot dog. Or a best chicken or a best anything. So you can work in depth rather than uh, trying to, to extend the dish uh, with garnish and with all kind of new things. No, and I think... For example, Thomas Keller, someone who does that very well. You go to his restaurant, there is not that much embellishment on the plate. You have a puree of carrot. But boy, you never had a puree of carrot like this one. It's a puree of carrot, but it's the most carrot, carrot thing that you ever tasted or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's more working imagination. They work more in depth than anything. Always slightly better, slightly better, slightly better to do this, that too. And that's really, for me, is... Uh, is what imagination is very often rather than. One of the greatest restaurants uh, that I go to now in the world is in Malaga. You know, I'm, I'm culinary director of Oceania Cruise Line, so I do a couple of cruise uh, a year. I mean, last week I was in Cuba. So uh, we go to Malaga there, and along the coast, someone had told me there is a fishing village where it's not really you continue, and there is a restaurant called Tintero, and it's... Uh, we came on the outside and there is those enormous roots of, uh, of uh, olive tree and they fuel the, the stove with that and there is no stove, it's generally grill. You, know, you get into that, they probably serve a thousand people a day, it's a big tent in the sand and all that, but there is no stove. All they have is those enormous grill, those cases of sardines, the sardines are still moving, they don't scale them, they don't eviscerate them, they put them on skewer put them uh, next to the stove, otherwise incredible fish, you know, razor clam, whatever, and there is no menu. You know, they cook this and the, the waiter will come with four or five plates on his hand in the dining room and say, um, dining room, I mean, on the thing, and say, mira, mira, I mean, look, look. <laughs> so you pick up the plate, you pile up the plate, each plate is so much, there is a little thing on each plate, some plates are more expensive. This is extraordinary food. All the wine is from 10 and 12 euros, something like that, you know, and uh, so that's great food for me. It's hard to beat. Totally different experience than what I had last night, certainly, but just as good in that sense, you know. Do you have any tips for, for someone looking for affordable wine? I tell you, no, from Italy, from France, from Spain, uh, certainly, and now starting... Uh, American wine. Now, finally, we started to have wine which are less expensive and all that. I mean, you can find some very good wine, uh, unknown Colomba, uh, all kind of grapes which are not really uh, used that much, you know, in the south of France. And you find some very good wine at uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten dollars. Mm-hmm. Well, often I buy them wholesale, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you'll go to the supermarket in France, some Alsatian wine, some other you get for yeah, five six euro seven euro some really good wine yeah you know great values i'm sure too you have some friends that bring over nice bottles yeah i have some old wine but you know occasionally in fact i just gave a bottle of uh, 1959 uh, uh, romane conti to a friend of mine because he collected one he was crazy with that bottle and for me it was fine but uh, no big deal (laughs) (laughs) you know you were a young child that grew up in kind of uncertain times. Um, Your dad was in World War II and um, 
you definitely learned a lot of amazing things through cooking from your mom as a kid. And looking to now, um, if you could give one piece of advice to not only young cooks, but just home cooks um, about how how cooking can be a, a powerful tool of getting through hard times, what would that be? Well, to be together and to share whatever you have, you know, whether it's very little and so forth, but at least to share it together. I mean, there is no place for me, like the kitchen, for a child coming after school. Uh, you know, you they are doing your own work in the kitchen, very uh, conspicuously if you want, but you hear the noise of uh, the equipment, you know, the smell of that kitchen, the taste, the voice of your mother, your father. The, those are very visceral things which stay with you the rest of your life. And those tastes are, are there for you. And it could be very simple. Still remember, like the sugar my mother did with, uh, with beets, you know, she got some... Uh, uh, big bits that they give to the to the uh, you know to the pig or whatever, but she could have some and cook them to reduce it to do some type of molasses to use as sugar. When we had, she did another dish which was pretty disgusting, but uh, we added too uh, a, a kind of crab batter. She could get a bit of uh, of uh, uh, flour, uh, one egg, and water to mix it, and we had leftover bread which was hard when we had bread, so she would put half a little of that in a skillet, a bit of oil, and a slice of that hard bread on top of it, cook it on each side. That really filled you up. That was the whole idea. It wasn't that good, but then we, we liked it at the time. You know, I mean, uh, if I try to look at those dishes on a professional chef, I think they are pretty disgusting. But then still, you know, uh, like my brother, uh, my brother-in-law, for example, was a captain in the, in the fire department in New York. My wife was born in New York City. And uh, so I remember him coming when we, we have been married 51 years. So uh, coming to the house, one time I'm doing asparagus 30 years ago, whatever. He said, whoa, she had never had asparagus fresh. No, what he liked is canned asparagus. It's only like the canned asparagus, but he liked the juice in the can too, because when he was a kid, that's what he had. And, you know, in those dishes, that you can look at now, even for us, I say it's pretty disgusting, but I like it. You know, so <laughs> that's the way it is. What is next? You know, I live in the present. I never really. Uh, so I am. Uh, I have that book with my granddaughter, which is great fun. I have also another book coming out, a book of menu of my drawing. Uh, I. Uh, after 51 years of marriage, I have 12 books that stick at home of what we ate. Uh, we started doing that over 50 years ago, and uh, when people came to the house, we write the menu, and on the other page, people sign and say funny things or whatever. And uh, so my daughter was turning 50 next week. I can tell you what we ate for a third birthday, just looking in this. I can uh, look at my mother, their signing, when she was there, my two brothers who are passed on now. Uh, and many other people, friend of mine. So those books are my whole life, in a sense. You know what we ate at the time, what we did, summer, winter, we went fishing, all this it was. And uh, so uh, I did a book like this for sur la table of like 80, 80 pages of menus, but with the center empty, so people can record their own uh, their own menu and their own memory on the other page. So uh, that's a book. Uh, which I did for Fioletta, but they are redoing it for the trader, so it's gonna come out next next year, I guess, whatever. So it's a bit different. 
Any final thoughts? Yeah, cook with love. <laughs>